Welcome to the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. I'm your host, Markus Engel, marketing expert at Dusk Network. In each episode, we'll take a deep dive into a specific area of finance. In today's episode, we'll feature our own research department from Dusk Network. First of all, we have Marta here and Xavi. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, most of you that have been following the project for a while have probably heard or um, read something about from, from Marta and from Xavier. Uh, Marta, you probably know from Elliptic Curves and uh, Xavier, you know from the recently groundbreaking research that he has done on Citadel. And we'll talk about all that. We will talk about the research project um, and much more. But without further ado, uh, first introductions, uh, Marta, Xavier, uh, take the stage and introduce yourself quickly. Okay, so hello, uh, everyone. Uh, I'm Xavi. I'm a cryptography researcher at Dust Network. And my main focus uh, when working there is uh, zero-knowledge proofs. And actually, uh, more specifically, uh, working on how protocols can use zero-knowledge proofs for providing uh, more privacy to users uh, in the context of blockchain, but also Internet of Things, peer-to-peer uh, -peer communications, and so on. And that's more or less what I'm working on. I am um, Marta. I've been at Dusk yeah, for some time. So, yeah, maybe some of you already know me because I've talked <laughs> quite a lot already. Um, uh, yeah, I joined Dusk uh, some time ago. Um, my background is in mathematics and I am part of a research team where we mostly focus on the cryptographic aspects of Dusk. And I am based in Terrassa, which is a city near Barcelona. And this is usually where I work from. Awesome. I'm very excited. I think it's the first time that we do a podcast with uh, actually not an, an external guest, but uh, with people from our own organization. But I think uh, this is also a good way of uh, getting to know uh, people that work from us and make this uh, wonderful project so successful. Um, and we'll dive right into it because I think if we think about uh, blockchain projects, if we think about... Um, or if people think about blockchain projects, uh, most of the time I think the job titles are very clear. They think about uh, there has to be a developer, so he's probably writing some code. There's going to be people that work in marketing. There's going to be people that do business development. There's going to be people that organize events. But I think if we talk about a research department, not a lot of people know exactly uh, what to do. And a uh, question to you, Marta, um, is that something that you can explain a little bit more about the role of research within Dusk uh, and also how it contributes um, of us having cutting edge technology? Uh, yeah, you're right that I've uh, been asked very often, what is it that we do? And well, to me, it's pretty clear, but I guess <laughs> I don't make it clear to other people because <laughs> I keep getting this question. Um, but uh, so uh, almost any blockchain project is they use a lot of cryptography. So in blockchain, we use different types of cryptographic primitives everywhere. So from the signatures when we sign the transactions, for example, or the hashes that we use for getting from one block to another. So cryptography is almost everywhere. Um, and th those are like the building blocks of what we do. So um, we, at the research at task, we are people that have mostly a background on cryptography so that we know very well all these blocks. Um, and then as a research team, um, I would say that part of our job consists on looking into these blocks and make sure that they are still functional and secure so that we are using the, the right ones. So we do like some security proofs in there. 
Um, then we also provide new solutions. So if we need to make changes on some of these blocks, then we also figure out what is it that needs to change and why and how we should change it. And we also build new solutions for new use cases that every day come in. So um, if I can use an analogy, I would say that this is similar to if you want to build a building, you need an architect. So you go and you say, hey, um, I need to build a house. We are this amount of people. We like this. We like that. This is our wish list. And then the architect goes home and he needs to think of a project and develop that. And for that, he needs to know the materials. Like So he has some expertise on that. So he, he does not really start from scratch. Um, and then once he has a proposal, he needs to talk to the constructors. So in our case, we would be, let's say, the architects. And then we would go talk to the programmers and say, like, hey, we have this idea. Do you think it's viable? Can you do it? Can you implement it? Can you build it? Um, and once we have that, then uh, we start developing this. But we also, it's not like an architect that once the building is done, they are good to go. But we actually keep reviewing that the, so the building is really uh, up to date. I mean, if there are new glasses for the windows or something like that, then we need to say like, hey, we need to change this or that's not secure anymore. So let's change this. So um, yeah, that would be like the three main things that we do. First, we we check that everything is secure, we provide new new models for new use cases, and we review that everything is okay. That's amazing. That's a beautiful analogy as well for, for, for it. I think um, also very um, remarkable for people to remember. Um, and I hope no one asks you this uh, question ever again, otherwise <laughs> we can now point them, <laughs> point them to the podcast. Um, And this was actually one one question from the community. I mean, you you already mentioned a little bit like what what areas you focus on and how you you basically um, yeah work with them and also process them. Um, but you mentioned that you you read a lot of papers, you review them. Um, how do you stay up to date in in such a ever changing market like the the blockchain and the the Web three um, industry? Um, it's not easy. I would say that it's it's an industry that moves really fast. So, for example, if you look at other Uh, research areas usually you have an academic paper that goes out and then it takes ages until someone reads it and finds an application for that and then implements it so it takes a lot whereas here in the blockchain space we can see that there is a paper out there and in a couple of days there are already five projects using it um, so we do a lot of reading um, of academic papers but also papers that come from the industry uh, we talk a lot with colleagues so that we know what is it that they are doing and if there is anything relevant for us. And for the second part, it's also important for us to attend to events and conferences so that we see what is going on around and, and if, it's, uh, if we can find something that's relevant to us and we can apply and improve. And how does it work? Like, uh, are you then um, actively proposing always to the to the development team, for example, um, different topics to to look into it, or is it also sometimes the other way around that the developers come to you and say, like, hey, this might be a, an area of opportunity where we can uh, move things around or we, where we can change something? It happens both ways. Um, so we've done uh, both. Uh, so, for example, currently we're working on a project called. Sedger, which uh, the requirements actually come more from a use case. Uh, so we were building a proposal and now we are currently talking to developers to see if our current proposal makes sense. Um, so there is a lot of communication when building a project like this, but it has also gone the other way around so that at some point developers 
find something that they don't think it's efficient or it's not work for, working for them. So they come and ask, hey, can we do this in a better way? Or here we're not sure if what we're doing is really safe or not. So we check if what they are doing is actually right or not. Um, so it, it goes both ways, yeah. Nice. And what are, what interests you the most about uh, working uh, in the research department? Like, what do you find most exciting? I think I personally like the fact that you see the whole process. So, for example, in academia, you, you have an idea, you develop it, you write it down, and that's mostly it. You don't really care later if that's implemented or not i mean yeah okay maybe you want to but <laughs> i mean it's not it's not really your job so some sometimes your papers end up being a product but very often they don't really do uh, so what i do really like here is that first the problems that we get they they have a specific purpose so th there is there's a reason why we do this research And you see the whole process. So you start with the with the idea, then you develop it, you make a protocol, and at the end, this is something that gets implemented. So the fact that we do research to solve uh, real problems that our developers are experiencing or our networks, and also that we get to see the end of it, so the final solution implemented, I think that's that's what I appreciate the most, and what and that's the main difference with academia, where you only see a small slice of this. So I, re I yeah. really like to see the, the whole of it, yeah. Nice. And and it's also, but I think uh, it can also be the other way around, right? That uh, in the end, if you see the way it is implemented, it can also uh, be proven to be not working or proven to be maybe your assumptions were wrong. Uh, how do you address that then um, also together with the team if if uh, things are, um, yeah, maybe like challenging for the team or or if you have assumptions that are, that are then wrong? Yeah, here um, I would say that there are different scenarios that can happen. Um, so, for example, one of the things is, like you were saying, at the end, uh, cryptography is not exactly maths. I, I mean, at the end, we have certain assumptions. So we say we build, um, so we build um, a model where we say, okay, it's safe as long as these, assu these assumptions hold. Um, usually when we talk about assumptions are problems that we believe are hard to solve. So if no one is capable of solving these problems, then we are good to go. So what can happen in the future is that someone finds a way to solving these problems and therefore our model is not secure anymore. So that's um, that's one thing that can happen. And then it's our job to be up to date and to say like, hey, our assumptions are still secure, so no one has broken them. So in that case, uh, this is the reason why we formalize everything and we have a specific place where we say these are our assumptions so that we narrow down what is it that we should look for. So if there, are, for example, if we say a typical problem is called the discrete logarithm. So we say the discrete logarithm should be a hard problem. And then we keep checking for papers. Um, so just make sure that there's no paper called attack to the discrete logarithm. <laughs> um, so th that's something that can happen. But I would say this is on our side to check that there's no... Um, like uh, no problem on the theoretical side. And then other things that can happen is that when implementing the protocols, there are bugs or there are implementation problems. And then we didn't think of those problems while we were building the model. So when that is the case, as you said, usually the developer comes and says like, hey, you didn't expect this problem to happen. Uh, it shouldn't happen in general. I mean, <laughs> we should do our job properly, but it may be the case that they come and say, like, you didn't take this into account. And then usually we do a review of the 
of the protocol and we we see if if something needs to be changed and what and propose a new solution amazing i think it's very nice to have also sometimes those insights um, what happens be behind uh, closed doors or a closed uh, discord uh, surface that uh, that you just see people are being in and um, and uh, yeah developing solutions for for dusk um, and uh, speaking about uh, those solutions uh, one of them is of course citadel um, which uh, Xavier was working on for the past four years, uh, successfully um, finished his uh, PhD last week. So congratulations for that, first of all. Thank you very um, much. Take, take us through it. Like, um, how did you come up with this um, uh, hypothesis of um, your, your research paper? Well, basically, it's a process that it's not simply saying, okay, I'm going to build Citadel and start working on, on the final protocol. It's something that uh, start, uh, starts with a little idea and then evolves over time. Uh, uh, the first paper on this area was published like three years ago, I think, if I remember correctly, which was called SANS. And then uh, I saw that there were some improvements that could be done over SANS. And then I published FORT. If you remember, it's uh, another authentication protocol, uh, self-sovereign identity protocol, uh, which also had some things that had to be improved And from the problems that I saw on Fort uh, appeared Citadel. Basically, uh, well, one of the problems that uh, I had there uh, in Fort was that um, it was meant uh, to be deployed on the Ethereum network. Uh, it started. Uh, it was something that started way before I started working for Dusk. But then uh, I knew about Dusk. Uh, I started working here. And by knowing the properties, the, proper, the privacy properties of Dusk, I thought, okay, we could try to improve uh, uh, Fort by implementing something that uh, it's uh, deployed on top of Dusk and making use of the privacy properties of Dusk. So from here, uh, Citadel became a, a thing. And it's basically how, how it appeared, yeah. Super nice. And uh, when was the moment that you really realized uh, that you kind of got got into uh, yeah into writing and into researching this this topic more? Like, what was like the kind of like trigger that really um, interested you so much to spend four years of your life uh, researching this? Well, uh, it, everything started when I did my master's degree on cybersecurity. I love cybersecurity since um, a lot of years ago. But then uh, during the master's, I took a subject which was called advanced cryptography. And uh, it was the first time that I, I started to work on cryptography and I started with uh, advanced cryptography. And I liked it uh, so much that I started uh, doing more research on, on that area. I knew about, uh, started to knew about uh, uh, zero knowledge proofs. Uh, they seem to me a very interesting cryptographic primitive. So, The rest is uh, what, what happened. I started the PhD on, on this kind of uh, problems that they want to solve, how to empower users with more privacy. And yeah, uh, four years have passed by um, very, very fast. And at the end, uh, you succeeded. So that's that's very, yeah. <laughs> very, very positive. That's the important um, thing. Exactly. Um, if you if you could summarize in a in a few simple sentences, I mean, it's always a little bit um, difficult uh, spending four years of your life researching a lot and, and someone asking you uh, to to make it very simple. Um, but if you would try, could you summarize kind of like the the hypothesis and like the the, the problem that um, Citadel solves? 
Yeah, um, basically the, the problem that we have nowadays is that uh, if we want to use uh, a digital service, like for instance, uh, video streaming subscription or, or anything, that, anything that you can imagine, uh, we have no other choice but to trust that the, the service provider who is offering the, that service uh, will behave correctly for what concerns the privacy of our data. So I wanted to solve the problem and to solve it, basically I said, okay, uh, what we have around? I started to research, to, to check out the state of the art, and I found the, the term self-sovereign identity, which is basically um, an approach which defines that a user should be able to, to manage their sensitive information in a fully transparent manner. And it's basically what, uh, what I found, that uh, there should be a way to actually create a self-sovereign protocol which complies with a set of properties, uh, for instance, being able to prove in zero knowledge that uh, you know some secret information, uh, for instance, that you have the right to use a service, that you have a license to use a service. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, what what other kind of um, applications or use cases could you could you see? I mean, um, if I think about the uh, uh, yeah privacy of data, there's like so much that that comes to mind. But like, what what were the the thought patterns that that ran through your mind when you when you were finished and uh, philosophing over uh, over the the potential use cases? Wow. So basically. I mean, Citadel is like a, it's like a framework that can be applied applied uh, anywhere. And for instance, one of the use cases that we envision in Dask is KYC, being able to prove to uh, any entity uh, that you have the right to, to to do some action. For instance, I don't know, you have an exchange and you want to buy uh, money in that exchange, uh, uh, cryptocurrencies, for instance. And usually, all of these uh, exchanges uh, request you a KYC. So you shouldn't need to do a KYC process uh, with a lot of sensitive information about yourself in all the companies that you want to interact with. You should be able to provide that to a service provider who allows uh, or who uh, does the process of verifying your identity and later on uh, being able to prove to anyone in zero knowledge that you have followed the, the correct process for the KYC. And then everyone should be convinced that actually you have the right to buy money, buy cryptocurrencies here, or take any other action. And this is a, um, a very specific use case. You can also think of, for instance, uh, IoT devices. Um, right now you have uh, medical devices uh, changing information with a server uh, about the patients. You should be able to do all this stuff uh, in zero knowledge also being able to communicate with a server and say, hey, I have this device, I'm the person who's uh, carrying this personal data, but I only want to share the data that's important for me, uh, for my health, not also my name, my identity and so on. So I think that possibilities that you have there, there are many, you have many possibilities. Yeah, it also feels like this. It could be endless. I mean, there are so many uh, companies that currently store data. And I mean, what we've seen in the past as well, that um, this kind of like data uh, storages are a lot of times operated by a lot of uh, yeah humans, which uh, of course can lead to a lot of human errors, which um, when it comes to privacy and data is not very uh, favorable, of course. Um, 
have you also looked into kind of like other projects um that that um yeah work on on those kind of like on similar topics than 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 citadel is there anything that comes to mind is there anything that you see um and maybe also uh, looking uh, how it can differentiate from from your solution yes actually there are a couple of very interesting projects uh, around there that uh, i saw but the only thing is that uh most of them for what i saw as and as to the best of my knowledge they focus in very blockchain um use cases where they try to to build something that it's for having an identity which is meant to be used only on chain i repeat to the best of my knowledge but the idea of citadel was uh trying to build something that can be used off chain but making use of uh, blockchain technologies uh in this case that's that's network being able to store your licenses uh, on chain your identity on chain and later on proof of chain that you have the right uh to use those services uh services that are off chain not on chain services so i think that's pretty much the um, the main difference that citadel is meant to be used uh, anywhere not only for blockchain application but also for peer to peer to communications but by means of the blockchain nice and if you look a little bit into the future because i think that's what also everyone uh, wants to know um how do you see the adoption of of citadel over the the, the next years well i'm pretty excited uh with that uh of course first of all we need a a mainnet for that but uh after mainnet becomes uh, a thing uh, i think that the citadel can be um, deployed uh, very quickly and uh the use as i said the use cases for that are are many so i'm pretty sure that um, by providing this tool um to everyone uh a lot of people will come up with uh more use cases not only the kyc that uh, we want to provide but many other use cases that uh, can be adopted by by people so yeah i'm pretty sure that mass adoptions uh mass adoption can become a, a thing uh and yes I, i'm excited about that yeah let's see yes. what happens I think a lot of people are excited, not only in our organization but also outside. Um, if you, uh, if if you, the listener, is interested in in reading the paper, it is published. Um, the paper, so it is um, accessible for everyone, right? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Well, it's not published because in academia, published it means uh, published to a, com um, a proceedings of a conference or a journal. In this case, it's a manuscript, but it's available uh, in archive, which is a repository for manuscripts, academic manuscripts. So anyone can go there and, and check out the paper. And if they want to provide feedback, they are free to, to do that. I will be happy to, to listen. Yes. We will also link the, the link in the show notes. And uh, if you want to read a little bit more about the use cases, you can also read on Network. There are a couple of blog posts about uh, Citadel and its adoption. Um, last but not least, we talked already a little bit about the future. Um, and then going back to Barta for a last question. Um, I mean, uh, we've talked about research, uh, we've talked about the process, we've talked about um, uh, Citadel as well uh, as one of the, the best cases that, that uh, we have uh, developed uh, internally um, with the help of uh, Xavier, of course, um, uh, pushing through. Um, what other projects are you working on currently and, and uh, what can we expect to see in the future from the research department? Yeah, as you said, uh, one of the projects is Citadel, which is a work that we're proud of, and we would really like to see it implemented soon. 
so that's one of the projects. Then we also have on the security side, um, we are really doing a very deep formal analysis on the security of our transaction model. That's uh, one of the, the projects that we are working on. And another one that is the one I was uh, talking about before and that we are in a stage that we're talking with developers is Sedger. And Sedger is a project that will allow uh, companies to issue and trade securities, uh, that is like stocks, bonds, or um, yeah, any, any sort of securities. And, and it's a project, it's very exciting because I personally don't come from a financial background. So it, I learned a lot about how the financial world uh, works in, in reality and, and also like the legal side of it. And so right now we are in a stage where we have a proposal for this to come through. As I said, we're discussing it with the developers and probably we will have a, a proof of concept of it very soon and we will iterate over that. So that, that's a project that we, we're really, really excited about as well. Wow. So uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of spoilers here. And uh, <laughs> I'm quite curious that uh, I'm quite confident that, uh, that the community will be very happy about uh, those developments. Um, yeah, to, to sum up, I think it was an amazing conversation to get to know um, the research department at Dusk. Uh, we talked about uh, yeah, the architects basically of Dusk behind the, the developers, um, the research team. Uh, we talked about the Citadel and um, its implications, its um, adoption and the future use cases. And of course, we talked about uh, Setcher as well. So I think there are many, many uh, exciting things coming up from the research department, from Dusk itself. Thank you so much for joining today, uh, Marta and Xavier. It was uh, a pleasure having you here. My name is Marcus, and this was the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. Thanks for listening.